All right, welcome back to a very special episode with a very special guest, Mr. Jason Capital. In this episode, we're going to be talking about high status and how you can use some basic high status principles to not only build your online coaching business quicker, but start attracting your perfect clients, work on your persuasion, work on how you're perceived and how you attract people into your business, into your vision and into your mission. Now, really, really quick story. I first came into contact with Jason Capital at a Bedros Koulian event, which, by the way, he's been on this podcast as well. And I remember watching him speak. And at first, I was like turned off and sort of like, who is this guy and who does this guy think he is? But he had such a great way of moving and talking and captivating and holding the audience's attention that I made it my mission and my business to figure out who this Jason Capital guy really was. So I grabbed his book, Higher Status, and I started kind of researching him and what he does. So I'm really excited to have him on the podcast and have him talk about his story of where he comes from, what he's doing now to his mission moving forward. So if you're a coach or an entrepreneur or a human being in general who wants to take their life to the next level, you're going to find a lot of value in this episode with Jason Capital. That being said, if you're a coach who's driven to build, to launch, to grow your online coaching business, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and check out a few of the past episodes because they will, with no doubt in my mind, help move your coaching business forward. And check out lucasrubix.com. Get access into the six-figure coaching academy. It is completely free. lucasrubix.com. That being said, enjoy the podcast and I'll see you on the other side. What is going on? Welcome to the Coach's Corner, a podcast dedicated to helping coaches get more clients, make more money, and book themselves solid. I'm your host, Lucas Rubik's, the Coach's Coach, and I am 100% committed to helping you build the coaching business of your dreams. Welcome to the Coach's Corner. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of The Coach's Corner, helping coaches get more clients, make more money, and book themselves solid. And we're here with a super special guest. I'm honored to have him on here. Jason Capital, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. The amount of feedback I was getting when I said, hey, Jason Capital's coming on the show was probably more than, I think, any guest on here so far. So it's been fun going through the questions. 80% of them were just ridiculous. I did promise everyone I was going to do a Q&A at the end. I don't think I'm going to do that because we're going to cover most of it within kind of the structure I created here. So I'm really excited to get in here. Um, Jason Capital has been a founder and chairman of Capital Research International. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, Jason, but I think I got it down. For 11 years, he served as a coach and consultant to Fortune 500 executives, pro athletes, Navy SEALs, best-selling authors, celebrities, the list goes on. And I don't know how this title came around, but the Top 100 Entrepreneur by President Barack Obama. So I'm guessing that's a pretty big freaking deal. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's just the tip of the iceberg. I really want to, that's like the shiny, fancy stuff up top that we see. But in this podcast, if you're cool with it, I want to kind of go in deeper and kind of find the nitty gritty of, of who Jason Capital is. Totally. Now you've created what I see. And we were just talking about this. It's like endless amounts of online products, services, coaching, masterminds, events, speaking, multiple seven-figure businesses. You just confirmed me it's almost an eight-figure business now, which is unreal. And you've shifted through multiple niches as you've evolved personally. So I really want to chat about that. Like you're not afraid, it seems like, to just evolve and try new things and fail probably a bunch and then succeed every once in a while. But there's been a common theme, high status, high income, high energy, 
always moving forward since day one, since that first video on YouTube that I found, it just seemed like you were always hungry to constantly move forward. So I kind of want to talk about your story and I'll let you kind of take it from there is where did Jason Capital sort of begin his, holy shit, I want to move forward and I want to do something here. Yeah, dude, it's, it's such a, uh, it's an, it's such an interesting thing to me because uh, I, I wish I had an amazing story for you. And it really, it started when I was, I was 13 years old and uh, eighth grade, uh, we're all trying out for the basketball team, uh, me and all my friends. And, uh, you know, tryouts finish, coach posts the, the list of the people on the, the locker room door. And I go check it. And, you know, you run your, your finger down the list looking for your name. Like, am I there? Am I there? Am I there? I see my first friend, my other friend, my best friend. Everyone's on that list. I get to the bottom. I'm not there. And I'm, you know, I'm embarrassed. I feel uh, ashamed. I run home I'm crying. My mom's trying to console me. And I'm like, oh, mom, my life is over. Was, you know, 13 years old, total, yeah. total dramatic, embellished dramatic uh, but but for some reason I, I wish I knew what it was because I know a lot of teenagers who would be in that situation who would take that as you know it, it's like the, the event happens and then we wrap it in meaning we wrap it in a story so something happens and then we decide what it's going to mean and I know a lot of teenagers would have looked at that as that means I should play basketball right for some reason I didn't see that as a bad thing I saw it as a challenge and I decided you know what kid who can't make the middle school team that kid's going to play college basketball one day, right? That this, I, I'm, yeah, I just, I set ridiculous goals for myself and I try and get close. And, uh, that's what I did. And I, I spent eight years of my life from 13 to 20, just obsessed with basketball, playing eight hours a day. And it really developed my work ethic. My, you know, I talk so much about Kaizen today for all my entrepreneurs that, that I coach. And, uh, that's where I, I developed it as a teenager. I was really lucky. All my friends were 16 years old, smoking weed in, in their parents' garages and, you know, getting hammered, drinking beers and stuff. And I never did any of that Friday night. till 11 PM. Cause that's when the gym closed, I was, you know, shooting a thousand shots a day. That's what I did. So, uh, I, you know, I played college basketball and I did all that. And then the minute I'm done playing college basketball, I'm at Michigan state university. I'm a senior now. And for the first time in my life, I wake up to, you know, in the morning and I don't have like a basketball workout scheduled for myself, right? I actually have time and I'm like, right. what, 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 do, what do normal people do? I have, I have right. no idea. Uh, so it was at that moment that uh, I was like, well, what are my options here? My first option was I looked to my left and I see all my friends at Michigan State and they're seniors and they're, you know, they're, they're all like talking about where they're getting interviewed for college. Like, oh, this place wants to recruit me. And I'm like, they're recruiting you. Why is that exciting? Because do you see where this ladder leads? Like, look at the people who work there who've been there for 20 years. Do you want their life? Is that where you want to go? And they'd be like, oh, man, don't worry about it. Just, just do a shot. That's what right, we do. Right. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not for me. Right. I didn't know what I wanted to do, man. I just knew that that wasn't for me. And I just, I, I kind of drifted for a while, um, for a few months and, uh, you know, totally by fate, I played basketball the previous year at a school called Eckerd college, which is a little tiny school in St. Petersburg, Florida. And right next to, to Eckerd was this gym called strength camp. And Elliot Holst, who I, I know has been on this show with you as well. Um, so a mutual friend of ours, who's just uh, is amazingly, uh, amazingly enigmatic type of man. Yeah. Just, is, yeah. Super enigmatic, but amazing. Uh, I go to his gym one day and I didn't, I didn't know who he was. He wasn't YouTube famous or anything, but I met him and we connected and I go back home, uh, after I moved back to Michigan where, where I was from and we'd stayed in touch on Facebook and he like, he was the initial, uh, impetus. He was the one who kind of pushed me to like, Hey, you should be an entrepreneur. You, I think you'll do well with this. And I don't know if, if, if he hadn't pushed me to do that, my guess is my plan back then was dude, I'm just going to start a gym. That was my goal back then. Right. I, I was a big fan of like 
Joe DeFranco and like Martin Rooney and Zach Evanesh, these guys, like to me, they look cool. They're like, they're, they're flipping tires in gyms. Yeah. And I was like, I just, I'll, I guess I'll do that. And you know, if it wasn't for Elliot, that's probably what I'd be doing right now. So you got right into, and this story, I probably have this uh, not down to the spec here, but you got right into dating. No, you did something right before you got into that space, correct? Totally. Yeah. So, so the first thing was, uh, I took what I knew, which was basketball. That's what I'd done my whole life. And I created a course called effective ball handling. And it was an ebook. It came with videos. It taught high school players how to dribble better so that they could make the team and get a scholarship, right? That was the whole thing. Uh, and I, to, to sell that course, I had to learn internet marketing and, and that's where it all started. So I actually, uh, I launched that, that book. It was October, 2008, that little ebook. And you know, the first time you launch your, your ebook or your first online course, uh, you know, as everyone thinks you launch it, now you're, you're rich. A million bucks. Totally. Yeah. Cause that's what the guru said. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you do it and no traffic, no sales, no leads, nothing. Right. And that's, that's what happened to me. And, and I'm like, okay, well, and I just kind of coasted for a few months and, uh, a couple months passed and I get a, a message from Elliot and he's like, dude, there's this internet marketing seminar. They're giving away scholarships to young entrepreneurs. You should go to it. Uh, and I check it out. I'm like, sure. So I apply. I hear back from them. Um, I end up winning one of the. So what, what happened was actually there's 10 scholarships and uh, I never heard back from them. And I assume I just, okay, whatever. I'll keep going. This, this isn't happening though. And I get an email from the event coordinator like a week before the event. And she goes, hey, uh, good news, bad news. Bad news is you didn't get a scholarship. The good news is uh, the 10th winner, she's from Pakistan. Her government is like, she can't come. Do you want the 11th? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want the 11th. Yeah, let's do it, right? So I go there, and this is my first environmental exposure to millionaire internet marketers. Like, I'm looking around, and I'm like, these people are celebrities. Like, this is better than Hollywood. This, This is insane. And I, I caught a taste of it and I was like, I got to, I, I, I'm doing this. Like, I'm going to figure this thing out. So I go back home, I apply what I learned at the event and I relaunched the ebook and, you know, uh, almost instantly in the first week I go from zero to 20 grand a month. Um, just like that. So I'm 20 years old making 20 grand a month. And it was, and then at that point, once you get that first taste, your first small win in, in marketing your business or as an entrepreneur, like you're hooked. Any entrepreneur will tell you, man, like that first sale, you're just you're, you know, you're like a Your drug addict. Confidence goes to you. Feel like you're unstoppable. Um, to shift a little bit, how much do you think? Because you've been in this game for so long now, has internet marketing? I know the basics. Like if you can understand that Dan Kennedy kind of like this is the basics of it, and you can do it in direct marketing through email or through letters or whatever. But how much do you think the landscape of the this strategy has has changed from the early put up a uh, hundred videos on YouTube in two thousand one and get famous. Yeah. To nowadays, there's so much noise. What do you think is probably one, two, or maybe three of the top, you know, grab attention, hold attention? Because you're so freaking good at that. What would you say has changed and some basics of like the shift? Because it is like there is a lot of noise. How do you how do you bust through that sure. noise? Sure. So and, and by the way, that's, that's a really really good question, man. And you're making me think and. Man, the, the biggest thing I see differently from, from then versus now is then you could just do these product launches and just do them all the time. And, and there, was, there wasn't so much noise that people heard you. They could follow the product launch sequence, the storyline for a couple of weeks, and they'd buy the product. And that doesn't work anymore, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, and the other thing about those product launches is, man, there was a lot of fake people back then selling shit. 
Right. And, you know, like one of the things people know me for is I don't bullshit. I just, uh, by the way, is it okay if I, if I swear? It's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. So I'm very honest. I don't bullshit. If I think people are lying, I'll call them out. I don't care. I back then during those product launches, uh, it just, you know, people could fake it and get away with it. Frank Kern could pretend that he was a surfer who worked an hour a day and was super lazy and sell products that way. When in truth, He's not lazy at all. He's a brilliant, brilliant marketer who was working 12 hours a day, six days a week, right? So back then, you would sell a dream that didn't exist, and that's what they did, and, and they got away with it. Today, you can't do that anymore. Between social media, you are on 24 hours a day. Like yeah. one of my buddies, he calls it, you're a living sales letter, right? Because on every single channel, you are, we see you, right? So you can't pretend to have this four hour work week, this lazy thing. So that's one thing that's a lot different is you have to be fucking real now. It's not going to work. Like if you don't have the goods, if you are a fraud pretending to be legit, like you're going to get found out so quickly. So you have to be an expert now, no matter what. And like a lot of coaches think that, well, you know, I need to be the best coach in the world if I'm going to sell X, Y, and Z, right? I'm not Tony Robbins. Therefore I can't do this. And listen, if, if only the best coach in the world was the only one who could market, then there'd only be one coach, right? And that's that. not true at all, right? If you can, you can solve someone's problem, you can help them, you're good to go. Um, so being real, the other thing, dude, that I think is, is like right now is that marketing online and sales online is no longer sales letters. It's no longer let me create copy and put it out there on a web page and people buy. It's not that. It's a conversation now. That, that's how selling that. happens now. It happens in email. It happens in DM. Like, dude, four years ago, we would do product launches, and my whole campaign would just be emails, like 1,000-word emails with a lot of copy and overcoming objections and some content, and which, you know, you do a full seven-day sequence, email, you know, one a day. Now, dude, our launches are like – I almost think of them as like sinister or like I'm cheating in some way because I'm not selling an email anymore. I am just starting and opening a dialogue and then they email us back and then we have my team and our scripts and we go back and forth with them and we sell them over the course of four or five emails. It's not, it's a conversation now. Does that make sense? It makes, I think that was one of the, when I first started in this game, I bought all the old Frank Kern type marketing stuff. He's brilliant and he still has amazing stuff, but I did it through, okay, I'll do a sales page, a 10 email sequence and I'll launch it and I'll drive a lot of traffic to the top of the funnel and I'll do, and I was not on social media at all. I did not start conversations and I didn't nurture them in a more, um, it was all very crafted and it didn't come across as personal. So that was probably the one of the biggest lessons I learned early on was leverage social media, have conversations and not that you have to be on all the time. Like some people I think overdo their stories and they're always kind of talking about stuff that doesn't even move their business forward. Like I don't care if you're drinking or not, or if you're at your mom's house or not. Like I strategically will kind of place things that make sense for the brand and move the business forward and kind of shine some light, start conversations because I think people buy from people um, and they want to get to know you. Yeah. So that's probably one of the bigger shifts. Um, I want to get into the high status stuff because in your book, which by the way, is it available through your website? I was going to put a link and I couldn't find it. There's an audio book and then they can get it off Amazon, correct? Right. So you yeah. can get the book on Amazon. It's 20 bucks or you can get right. the audio book for, for free. Cool. I'll, yeah. put the, I'll put the links below there. I think there's like sure. 10 or 12 of them. We're going to dive into three of them because I think they're some of the more important ones. So I'll go into that. I want to finish the story just a little bit because I know that wasn't the end yet. So you sold that. You were making 20 grand a month. But I believe you had a few little lessons and a few kind of life-changing failures that you learned a lot. Um, so you're selling the book. You're making 20 grand. You're probably thinking that's $10 million a month because you're, you're probably doing whatever you want to do all day long. 
And of I course. think we fall into this trap. I've done it. Of, okay, we're doing good. I'm going to coast out. And next thing you know, you look back six months later and everything's falling apart. And you don't know where you went wrong because you lost those habits that got you there. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's where the story's going next. Totally. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So I'm making this money and, and I drop out of college first thing, right? I had a long talk with my dad about that, uh, but I, I drop out of college and I decide I'm not going to like, I'll, I'm not going to class. I'm not paying the school anymore, but I'm going to live on campus for the next year while all my friends finish school. And I'm just going to party and have fun and take advantage of the social life, which I did. And uh, that went well and it got old after a while. So I'm like, you know what? I'm making money um, from my laptop. I can live wherever I want. So I moved to San Diego, right? First time in California, I get a penthouse apartment. Life is like really, really good. And in fact, it got too good. Um, and, and I say that because I could work 30 minutes a day and make 20 or 30 grand a month at that time. And it's right. like, man, I didn't have the the values, the experience. I didn't have enough of that in my life to maintain some type of moral structure at that right. time. So, you know, I get, uh, I get a marijuana card cause it's legal in California and I start partying a lot and, uh, my business just completely falls apart. My life kind of falls apart over the course of uh, about a year and a half there. And I go broke. And you know what? It's funny when you, when we were talking before we got on the call, you said something, for some reason it triggered something that I hadn't thought about in a long time. Uh, but right around that time, as my business is kind of plunging down, uh, there was a affiliate uh, like a private affiliate event that I was invited to. And it was put on by a guy named Joel Marion, who started a company called BioTrust, which is this you know nine figure supplement company. And Joel invites me to come to this private affiliate party in Tampa. And I fly there and, you know, all these, these big fitness names are there. Guys who I knew, I'm 22 years old, and, and Bedros Koulian and Craig Ballantyne and, and Elliot Holson, and Joel Marion and, and Mike Geary and all these big, like, fitness marketers. They're all there. And they all know me as this hotshot young kid who's like, because they're all 40 and I'm, you know, 22 and I'm right. making money. And so I, in my mind, I have this, like, reputation to uphold. I'm like this little internet marketing prodigy. Um, but so I'm putting out this face mm. to them, but behind the scenes, dude, my whole life is in shambles. I, I'm like, like, I remember at the end of the event, uh, I'm leaving and I sent Joel a $200 gift card on Amazon as like a thank you. Cause he, he took everyone to like a Brazilian steakhouse and he had buses and we went to Disney. Like we did all this stuff. So I was like, send him a 200 bucks gift card, uh, on Amazon. And then right after I send it, I check my bank statements in my bank of America. And I'm like. I have less than a hundred dollars to my name right now. So it's like, I feel like such a fraud. All these people yeah. think I'm this like brilliant, brilliant person, this kid. And yet I'm, I'm broke as a joke. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, that was two or three months before I, I literally had. So like, that, so what I did back then, that wasn't the bottom. Cause you know, at that point I was like, well, you know what? I might've less than a hundred bucks, but I have an email list. So, you know, you go to a computer, you send out some emails, you get enough money to, to buy a freaking plane ticket home. Right. All right. But that was almost rock bottom. And a couple months later, it was officially rock bottom. There was no money left. My choice was either pay my taxes or pay my rent. I chose to pay taxes. And uh, with no money left, I go back home to Michigan, tail between my legs. I go to my mom's basement, and my parents take me in for a couple months. And uh, it was there that I finally – it's funny. Like, you know people talk about how, like, like you want to have this 30,000-foot view of your business. You heard that before? I it's know I very, haven't, but anyway, okay. It makes sense, right? It makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So I can see out a year from now, five years yep. from now, I can also look back and see what happened. Right. And it was on that flight back from San Diego, moving back to Michigan, all my stuff in a suitcase where I'm literally 30,000 feet in the air. And it was 
during that flight where I was like, what the mm. hell went wrong? It was there. I had clarity on what I did. And if I look back and ask myself, what did I do wrong? I, I stopped doing the things that got me there. I let go of the habits. I stopped doing my morning rituals. Um, I stopped. And, and the biggest thing, and I told this to, to Bedros the other day, was that like my, my primary question for myself was how can I maintain this income with the least amount of effort? And you know, if you're maintaining, that means you're not growing, you're not growing, you're dying. And that's that's what it was. The business was was just uh, an ATM machine, right? And my business today, uh, I don't see it as an ATM machine. It is an asset. It's an asset that I, I'm always working on. I'm always growing it. Our our mission is about truly helping people now. I mean, it was I was always about helping people, but it's just. Man, it's so much more clearer and cleaner now, if that makes sense. Specific, absolutely. So you think that you got some clarity as in you got a deeper sense of why, I guess, if you want to say the why thing or the mission or the purpose, like you develop that. Because I know you talk about that a lot in your videos. I don't know what I was listening to. You come across every once in a while on uh, YouTube or some podcast and it was like some kid called you or you were on a boat in Italy Maybe I get this story wrong a little bit. And he yeah. was like, hey, what's up? You're like, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And he's like, I don't know. And you're like, conversation done. Like, what's your purpose? And what are you going for? And I think a lot of people are lacking that. And I don't know where that – I think – and we kind of talked about this before the podcast is we have it so easy. Most of us who live in America or North America, we have it pretty good. Like I did not worry about there being – we were – my family was immigrants and – as a baby, I didn't see their struggle. By the time I was five, six and aware of what's going on, life was pretty good for them and for us. I didn't worry about food. It wasn't until 26, 27 where I had to sell my apartment that I bought and everything's crashing and I was like, hey, my back's against the wall. I can't call my parents for help. I got to figure this out. So things got hard and I think that's where you know the pressure made me into let's do something. So what do you think when you talk to young kids? Because I think you mentor a lot of – your audience is a lot of younger you know, probably 20, 22, 24, some of the audience anyway, when they know they want to do something, just like that kid on the boat is like, dude, I want to do something. You're like, what? He's like, I don't know. What do you think helps those people? Or what would you send them to? Cause I come across that a lot too. And I don't know if I know how to help them all the time. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. I know what I want and I'm, I'm really focused on it, but it took a lot of pain for me to get there. Do you think people have yeah. to go through pain and go through that moment of like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like, do you think so? Yeah, well, first of all, I think I think they definitely have to go through pain. I think we live in a culture where they say that you know pain is to be avoided at all costs, and if you're in pain, you go to the doctor, he gives you a pill. Here, you're not in pain anymore, right? Your mental pain, take this pill. Your physical pain, take this pill. And I think, you know, we we survive. We're like the winning genetic code, right? If pain wasn't valuable, we wouldn't it wouldn't be here. Still, it's still part of the program. Uh, I think pain is super important, and I think that a lot of people. Um, they don't know their purpose. They don't have the work ethic. They don't have the drive. They can't find the motivation because they're constantly trying to avoid pain. I'm like, dude, open the fuck up to pain. Like right. it is there to motivate you. It is a catalyst. It will drive you. And it's like, stop, stop trying to avoid this. I think comfort is a trap. Uh, I think you need to get out of fucking comfort. I look at uh, all the, you know, all of the, the most successful people that I know, um, guys who make nine figures, a couple billionaires in there. These guys have the money to do whatever the fuck they want whenever they want to do it. And yet all of them are living as if they're still broke. 
right? Like they're that. still living like they're broke. They're at like they are from from sunup till sundown, dude. They're fucking rocking yeah. everything all day long. They're pushing everything forward. They're pushing everyone around them. They might live in a mansion. It might have a TV, but they never sit on that couch and they yeah. never watch that TV. They're always doing shit. And here's the other thing, dude, because you mentioned, uh, you know, younger audience, 20, 22, 24. This isn't just for young people. This is everybody. Totally. I don't care. It's it's totally funny that, that we're, like, we're talking right now on Skype and you can see me, of course. I got this literally uh, in the mail today. And what, what I'm seeing, what he's seeing is a sword. They got right? a sword, okay? And this is a – yeah, sword. So I'm holding a sword for everyone who can't, can't see us. Uh, but this, this came from one of my clients. His name is Kirby, Kirby Robbins. He is 62 years young, right? And Kirby from 41 to 61 – made the same income for 20 years straight. He made $45,000 a year for 21 years for 20 years straight. And that's pretty normal, right? With usually most people when they get 30s or 40s, they hit an income level, a ceiling and they just stay there. It doesn't really go up. Old dogs don't learn new tricks, right? So Kirby comes to me and uh, in the last year and he realizes holy shit, old dogs can learn new tricks, but his thing was, "Jason, I feel stuck. I don't know what I want to do. I don't feel like I know what my purpose is." He had just gotten divorced as well. So we worked with him in the last year and this year at 62, so 61, 45 grand, 62 this year, he's made over 600 grand in 2018 so far. He's going to become a millionaire for the first time ever at 62, right? That, that, uh, one that doesn't ever happen. That's why he sends me a sword, right? That's awesome. Uh, so help your clients and they'll send you, uh, implements that can hurt people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but also, it's like, he, you know, how many other people in their 50s and 60s still feel like they have no purpose? I know Perfect. in my generation right now, like I'm 29, right? So uh, my parents and a lot of my parents' friends, they have only recently become empty nesters. And a lot of them, they go through these periods of what is my purpose too? Because, you know, for 20 years, it was raising my children. Now they're all gone. What the hell am I doing? What do I do with my life now? I'm not right. done. I got, I got half, you know, half of a runway left. What am I going to do here? So right. purpose, purpose is so big, man. I think pain, pain has to be it. The other thing that, that really sticks with me, and this is something that Osho used to say, but it was that we don't, we don't find meaning, we create meaning, right? We don't find purpose, we create purpose. So if you're listening right now and you're like, I don't know what the fuck my purpose is, Jason. Like, I'm not Elon Musk. I'm not going to save the planet. Like, well, here's the thing. Elon didn't start saving the planet either, right? He started uh, with PayPal, yeah. right? And I'm sure he started with smaller things before. So you got to think about it like what is the low-hanging fruit? And even if it's not the thing you're going to do forever, make it the thing you're going to do for now. And this, it's more important like to me what I'm always telling the younger audience at least is just do the, do whatever you can right now, like the low-hanging fruit because that's not what you're going to be doing five years from now. But more importantly, dude, it's about the high-income skills that you're going to learn as you fail and maybe succeed with that first thing. And it's those skills that are going to allow you to do whatever the fuck you want to do later in your life. I love that. I love that. Uh, I think I got to say, was it Kirby, your client? Yes. What was his, what do you think was his biggest block or his biggest shift? What was that one thing that you were like, there was probably many things, but was there one big thing that you were like, dude, you got to change this belief or you got to change the way you're looking at this to make this shift? Yeah, totally. I mean, it was two things. So the first thing we pull out of Kirby's thing is one, his, so he got divorced from his wife of, of, I don't know how long, 20 something years. Right. 
that you think that's a painful experience? Like super, right. super painful, right? So again, pain proves to be a very, very valuable ingredient to the recipe of success. So that's the first thing. The second thing for him was him understanding was like, he, so he's a contractor and he was just going after these little baby contracts. Mm. And I was like, dude, you're going to make baby money going after baby contracts. Like we need to increase your status and the expectations you have for yourself. And he started going after bigger fish and bigger whales and unbelievably, some of them, you know, some of those dominoes fall and all of a sudden your income 10 X's. I love that. How we always perceive ourselves as so low value or we're always terrified. I just had this conversation in the morning. I just got the text as actually a testimonial, but just like, thank you for allowing me to see the value in myself because I was charging a third too little. And it always amazes me how we will look at other people and give them so much praise and so much. He is so amazing, but we look at ourselves and we don't see the power in ourselves. So having a coach like yourself or just coaches in general, I think to help you shine a mirror on yourself and be like, Hey, I, I, I am worthy of this is well, it changed some dude's life forever. Made a millionaire over, you know, so cool. Yes, completely. And it's like, it's always, I always come up with the example of like, you will, you have a doctor's appointment at 4 p.m. You'll show up there at 3.55 to make sure you're not late for the doctor. You set an appointment with yourself at 1 p.m. to yeah. work on your new book. You don't even get started till 1.30. Totally. And it's like, if you do it at it's all. Like, yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, you know, audit, audit the appointment. Like you have to treat the appointments you have with yourself as the most important uh, of that. all. Yeah. Love that. Moving into the high status stuff because you kind of mentioned it. Hey, we got to increase your status in your book. And I'm going to just hit a couple of them. And we're just going to touch on a few. But if someone wants them all, make sure you check out. Uh, I'll put the links below for, for the book or for the audiobook. But high status destiny, high status body language. You talk about all this in your book. High status voice, high status eye contact, high status walk. There's obviously a common theme to high status. And you kind of break down certain physical attributes. And there's this one quote. I have it written down. I don't know if it was you or someone else. But it said, act your way into a new way of thinking. It's better to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of thinking. And I like that because a lot of the books I read early on had to do a lot with change your thoughts. Do that first and the rest will come. And this – I remember reading it and I was like, okay, okay. But it talked about actually just getting comfortable doing the action. Eight years ago, I was in LA. I had an acting teacher. I was an actor, failed actor. I tried it though. And I was in LA and I had a hard time talking to girls, really hard time. Couldn't do it. I'd freeze up. I'd have a panic attack. And I had a hard time. My confidence was just super low. And he told me, he's like, go out there three times a day and just talk to a random girl three times a day, comment on her shoes, on whatever. And after two weeks of doing it, the first week, I, you know, I was a sweaty mess. But just by doing it, I, I could, after two weeks, I could talk to anybody. And I think that's, you know, he helped me a lot see that. So when I read that, I'm like, that's so freaking true. And within that book, you talk a lot about this high status stuff. So I got three I want to touch on. The high status destiny, which we kind of already mentioned with the purpose, high status body language, and high status state control, mastering emotions, which I think may be one of the hardest ones. So I really want to touch on that one. But when I see coaches and they'll come up and they'll be like, well, I'm not, I don't have enough clients or, you know, no one's respecting my time or I'm not. And then I look at their social media or I look at the way they're even talking to me. I can pretty much tell that we got to do some work on how we perceive ourselves. Do we believe we're high status? Not that we're above anyone else, but you know, are we the expert and are we showing up as the authority or are you just kind of half-assed in this whole thing and not seeing mm-hmm. your own value? So I want to touch on, let's just talk, touch on high status, the destiny. And we kind of already touched on it, but maybe just a little bit deeper into how having that destiny, I think in that book, and I think there's a common theme of like when you're, when you know what you want and you're, you see those people where they're just walking and they're walking in a straight line and they're walking towards what they want and you almost notice them right away. Like that guy's on a mission. So obviously that plays a huge importance 
for a coach because if you don't have a mission, no one's going to follow you and no one's going to take you seriously. How can coaches adapt a high-status destiny into the coaching practice to not only charge more but to just have people actually follow what they're saying? Yeah, well, let's let's break it down from a conversion perspective as opposed to just a, you know a, a personal development one. People, people, listen. People are all looking to be led. We know this. We've heard marketers say this, right? Dan Kenny has an old quote of, of everyone's walking around with their umbilical cord, looking to plug into someone, right? right. They're all looking to, to be led by somebody. And how do you signal and exhibit to others that you're someone worth following, that you are a leader? Well communicate that you are a man or woman on a mission, that you are a man or woman who has a destiny, a greater purpose. And don't just tell yourself and don't just tell your journal, but actually do the scary thing and tell the world about it. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen is some people will be like, okay, who cares? But it will speak to certain other people and they will get so involved with you and they will, they'll buy all your shit. They'll do everything you say. They'll, they're your best clients because they're the most compliant ones who actually, you know, take mm -hmm. action on what you do. They're going to be the best ones. So in my own marketing, like I'm, I am consciously, keenly aware that I have to constantly restate and reassert what my mission is publicly, and I do it all the time, right? Like my mission right now is to help a million people increase their income, um, and not by like ten bucks, but like a legitimate amount, so much so that their whole life changed. That you know their their kids eat organic food instead of McDonald's, like on a legit, like a real level. That's my mission. Um, and if I'm just selling you, here's a course on how to make more money, that's kind of interesting. But if I tell you about how I grew up and it's, it's you know, and I had this experience mm -hmm. and now I'm on this mission today where I'm going to help these many people, I'm going to help them increase their income so they can do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I hope you're going to be a part of us too because we're not stopping. We're going straight to the top, et cetera. Certain people hear that and, you know, the ones who are attracted to your values and, and your energy and everything, they are behind you, right? They're like, holy shit, cool. someone who actually is going somewhere. Right. Like we have this we have all these sayings in our English language that describe this, but it's important that we actually implement it. The sayings are like, oh, that guy's going places. Right. Or like you said, that he's a man on a mission. Well, how about you actually talk about the mission you're on? How about you actually talk about the places that you're going? It's you know, one of the things we used to teach in in dating, you know, because I, I did that for a long time was when guys be talking to a girl, we would tell them, share your ambitions with the girl that you're talking to. Right. And they'd be like, you know, how, you know some guys would ask, how do I compete? with a mm. uh, million, right? I make 40 grand a year living in an apartment with a roommate. How can I compete with a millionaire if we're both trying to get the same girl, right? And I'm like, well, you have to understand women are fortune tellers, right? So she might be like, first of all, money's not everything at all. But if she sees that passion and fire in your eyes, when you talk about the company you want to build, about the problem you want to solve, about the, the, the vision you have for yourself, you know, we would call it visioning out, like because people would go into a trance when you describe this to them, and right. they're like, they can see where you're going. So even though you might be in little apartment now, in her mind, she's like, this dude is going places. This is a rocket ship. Let me strap on. I want to go for the ride. Love it. High status body language. So I'm watching. You know, you do a lot of stuff on Robert Downey Jr. You're always talking about him and, and different actors, and you'll break it down, and it's just like you know the open body language and just their confidence, which probably stems from having some sort of destiny or some sort of purpose because that you know there's a reason for it but high status body language so i could see this being applied to a sales you know a, a sales situation or a presentation or when you're trying to influence someone or persuade someone or even in coaching i'm sure body language is important maybe just a few little tips on if you know maybe a, a self check that a coach can do maybe before they get into a a situation of like am i high status body language 
Yeah, well, it's it's really interesting because let's say that the coach is in a selling situation one on one in person. And if you could be saying the, you could be weaving just just poetic sales magic into your prospect's ear. But if you're leaning forward, if you have this kind of needy body language, if you can if they can smell your hunger, your, that you really want this, uh, it's not going to work. It's mm-hmm. not going to convert. So it's it's the body language. The context is more important than the content. It's what, what you who you're showing up as is far more important than what you're saying. So. The, the checklist for body language for anyone listening is very, very simple. It's four letters and it's OGSP is what we always coach, right? So open, grounded, and the S stands for slow and controlled. I know it's S and C, but whatever we want with S. And then priding is the last one, right? OGSP. So priding. Okay. Oh, priding. Okay. P, yeah. Yeah. P-R-I-D-I-N-G. Priding. Right? Okay. So open, open, of course, it really, if, if you want to check if you're open or not, look at all your major joints. Right, your ankles, your knees, your elbows, uh, your wrists, and see, are they closer together or are they further apart? The further apart, you're being open. If they're close together, you're being close. You want to be open. And you mentioned before about the quote about it's far easier to act your way into a new way of believing as opposed to think your way into a new way of acting. Um, and we all know the research like from Dr. Amy Cuddy and her research on body language and how it actually triggers testosterone release and feelings of power and assertiveness. Well, this is the same thing. Right. If you're closed, you're going to feel closed off. You're going to feel weaker. You're not going to feel like your shit is the shit. If we open you up just for a couple minutes, all of a sudden, more calm, more confident, uh, you, you perceive yourself to be much higher status. So the open is really important. The grounded one is where's your energy? Right. Are you up in your head and you're kind of like floaty all over the place or are you more grounded in your body? And, you know, there's a million exercises you can you can go on Google and find a million to, to ground yourself. One of them would be simply as just closing your eyes and, and what I and just imagine an oak tree. Right. And imagine this oak tree mm. is a thousand years old and imagine its roots and how deep they go into the soil and beneath the, what, what the eye can see and how deep they go all the way to the center of the earth. And just picturing that for 30 seconds. Can ground that just makes you want to take a deep breath right there. Totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. So there, it's just, it's that. Uh, and then, and then slow and controlled. So we've all met someone very fidgety and very quickly, they're herky jerky. And we know we don't want to be around that person. Maybe we can't put words to it, but we just, there's this sense of lower statusness or, or something going on there. And it's when you can just move a little bit more slowly and controlledly and just take your time with things it signals a lot more power than the other way, right? And that's part of the reason I uh, I love Robert Downey Jr. because all of his mm-hmm. characters, specifically uh, Tony Stark, of course, right? They his body language is just incredible. His movements are sure. are remarkable, right? So and then and then priding, right? Priding is the last one, and it's like, are you hiding or are you priding? And it kind of goes back to, to open versus close, but uh, you'll see it like a lot of times. And here's the most interesting thing to me about the high status stuff is. You can read it in my book. You can watch it on my video course. You can do all that. And sitting at home with no one around you, it's really easy to have open body language, right? But go into a room with a bunch of people who you perceive to be super experts, authorities, you know, celebrities, rock stars, astronauts or something, Mm -hmm. and maintain the same body language, maintain the same groundedness. That's what really matters. And uh, I really love what, Lucas, what you were saying before about the acting teacher and he told you to go talk to the girls and stuff to get those reference experiences and and show your brain that, okay, I can talk to a girl and I'm not going to die, right? Everything's Mm going to be okay. So it's like with the body language stuff, practice it when you're alone first and then practice it within a safe environment second. Practice it with friends and family. And then once you start, once you get comfortable there, um, going out to the world with strangers is going to be incredibly easy. And and you will just – I mean I'm sure you've seen for yourself in your own life 
probably far before my book came out, just understanding body language and just seeing the, the difference in response. Really, if you want to test this, go talk to someone, have really shitty low status body language and watch how they respond. And then go talk to person number two with completely high status body language and watch how they respond. And that'll tell you everything you need to know. Totally. When I'm facing with someone with really low self-confidence, because it worked for me, taking acting, it was only three months. I did it for two years, but three months of like watching yourself on camera every day after you're doing your whatever, and you realize all these little things about you or playing different characters, then you start researching. I remember researching higher status. I was an authority, some sheriff in some little film. Um, that's not important, yeah. but just researching it and then trying to mimic that, you learn so much about yourself. So I'm always like, find a three-month acting class on weekends, three you know, or three days a week, and just... It is probably one of the most terrifying things I ever did back then because you just got to put everything out there and see yourself on yeah. camera, which is always horrible. Third thing, yeah. high status state control, mastering your emotions. I really want to pick your brain on this one um, if you still got the time because I want to see – Jason Capital is high energy, motivated all the time. I'm going to challenge you a little bit with like you're probably not always that way. You probably have times – probably, maybe not, but I know I do where I have full – my head's full of doubt uh, you know, I'm just, I have the habits to keep going and it doesn't stop me anymore. Like I just do what I have to do cause I know I have to do it, but not yes. every day am I, what I look like on social media or in my videos. Cause there's days where everything's falling apart and I got a thousand one problems and I'm trying to figure them out, but high status state control. So mastering your emotions, let's talk about that a little bit. And I just want to get your input on like, is it a lifelong process? Are you still learning this of, you know, something's rubbed you the wrong way and you could tell, you know, you're getting angry or there's, you know, just let's talk about high status, take yeah. control and yeah, what yeah, your yeah. view is that. And if you're a student of it or if you feel like you've mastered it. Totally. So, well, first of all, what you were saying about how sometimes you don't feel like it, but you do it anyways, like that's because you're a pro, right? You're a pro. That's, you know, Stephen Pressfield has this amazing book called Turning Pro. And he talks about how professionals, the difference between professionals and amateurs is amateurs do it when it's convenient. Professionals do it right. no matter what, even if they don't feel like it. Right. And that's, that's a decision you made, which then became a habit. And now you just do it no matter what. And that's, that's the, like, we could talk a lot about state control, but that's more important than any part of state control. Because again, once we, we start doing the thing, whatever emotional state we're in before, it's okay. It kind of slides off us and we get into this new state of momentum because we just started. Right. So uh, one trick I, I play with myself a lot, cause by the way, um, am I always motivated? No. Right. Uh, the, the periods where I'm not super motivated, they have become increasingly shorter. Right. Maybe it may have been an hour a few years ago. Now it's like two minutes and I'm and I flip the switch and, I, and I'm back where I need to be. One trick I used to play with myself, though, when I didn't feel motivated, when I didn't have that state of like, let's fucking kill the world. Right. Or let's rock yeah. it. Right. I uh, is I'd call it the rule of three. And it's really, really simple. And all I would do is I play play a trick with your brain. You say, you know what? Uh, I know I don't feel like it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do three small things right now towards what I think I should be doing. And at the end of these three things, which will only take me three minutes total, if I want to stop and go back to feeling sorry for myself and doing nothing, totally fine. I can do that. But if I feel like you know I want to keep going, um, then I'll, I'll allow myself to continue to go too. And never have I ever done these three things and then stopped. It doesn't ever happen. And the reason is momentum. State control is really, really important. It's important that you can feel bulletproof and confident and calm in difficult, high-stakes situations. But being able to go and do the thing you must do even when you don't feel like it is the most important part of state control, in my opinion, especially as an entrepreneur by far. And the key to that 
isn't state control, it's momentum. And it's understanding and mastering momentum in your own life, right? Because a lot of the times, if you were to go back and you're to audit like the times where you don't feel as good or you don't feel that motivated, I guarantee you if we look upstream and we see what were the things that happened before this event, we could see how you created the state that you were in now, right? And it was because there was some type of de-momentum situation happening that, that caused it, right? So if we learn how to master momentum in our own lives, then, then state control is, is easy. You're always in that nice flow state. So like for me personally, every morning I wake up, I get three small wins no matter what, right? Like my morning ritual, it used to be, uh, there's been times where it's an hour, there's times where it's 45 minutes. I talk to some entrepreneurs now who are like, uh, they're like urgent and they need money now. And I'm like, so tell me about your day. And they tell me about the morning ritual and it's like 90 minutes. And I'm like, wait, so you need money, right. but you spend 90 minutes like getting yogified every morning. Like, right. I love yoga. I do it every day, but like there's a time and a place, right? So for me, my morning ritual is I wake up, I take my morning supplements. That's my first moment. That's good enough for me. That's my criteria. I'm happy with that. Like I, I get out of bed and I put pills in my mouth with water, winning, right? Yeah. First thing. Second thing after that is uh, I go and I do six minutes of some type of breathing or bioenergetics or yoga or something, but just six minutes. That's it. Love like it. I'm not going to go crazy with it, right? And then the last thing I do is I literally take 25 seconds and I just write down a goal. Right. And I got this uh, from Grant Cardone, actually, who I, I think people hate him. People love him. I I'm love like, I don't know if I love you or hate you, but I just I. Yeah. I found myself watching you all the time. Therefore, I must like you. Right. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he just he just writes his goals down. And it's not like, like I used to be very rigid about here are my goals and I got to make sure I write them down and I got to make sure you know, we have to write them down in the present tense as if they're happening now and all the other bullshit that that Bob Proctor and all these people used to say mm-hmm. that I think is just I think it's crap. Uh, but I think it's good to just write down the, the goal like. What is my outcome for today? What do I want to get out of today? Where do I go? So sometimes I'll write down, uh, I want to buy like a hundred million dollar mega yacht. No reason at all, right? It's just, sure. it's just, some, it's, a, it's an idea. It's a picture. It's cool. Other days I'll write like, I want to have the best, uh, I want to have the best Kobe beef in the world in the next week, right? Just like little mm-hmm. random things that are funny and self entertaining to me, but excite me. So then 3 PM comes around that day and maybe, you know, you hit that afternoon drop and I'm like Kobe beef thinking about Kobe beef. And then I'm like, fuck it, let's do it. Right. So, you know, I think part of, as I'm looking back at what that, whatever the hell I just said is that also not taking what you're doing and yourself so seriously helps so much with state control too. When we take ourselves really, really seriously and we feel like we have to maintain and uphold a certain personality for other people, it's very exhausting. And whenever there are injuries to that personality that we're trying to put out there, like someone questions it or or says that we're not exactly the way we think we are, or whatever. If we take ourselves seriously, those are like those are like gunshots, right? To the wow. emotional musculature. But if we're very light about this shit and it's like, man, it's it's not a big deal. Like like we're all goofy, we're all weird, it's all good, then those things kind of slide off like water and your state becomes less effective. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I'm I'm kinda laughing in my head because I remember interviewing Elliot Hulse and he had a totally different take on it. But I always kind of think, this is the way I always think, is like sometimes I feel like I more relate to your story and I'm a very goal-orientated. I got to write down what I need, what I want. If I don't, I can lose my way. And Elliot has the total opposite. He's just like, I don't want my like, – he doesn't write down goals. He's much more fluid. But I always wonder how it was when he first started and through the phases of your life because I believe you changed. So I think there's sometimes I come across some new coach who's maybe a life coach or a breathing coach or does something a little bit more – 
you know, has two hour morning rituals and wants to kind of go with the flow. And if they don't feel like it, like Elliot in the podcast said, if I don't feel like it, I'll go sit in my hammock for the rest of the day. In my head, I'm thinking, you know, you can do that because, because you've built that momentum and you've built something that runs without you. At the same time, I'm always trying to find ways and hacks of like, if I don't feel like it, how, like what's the shortest amount of time I can go into actually just doing the work because you got to do the work. So I, I, I relate to what you're saying. I like it. Um, and I'm just kind of laughing in my head because I feel like you and Elliot have, I don't know if you had the same teachers or if you guys had, there's a lot of similarity to the way you guys present on video and the way you guys kind of are, I see a lot of similarity, but then it was just funny to hear his side of it of I'll just sit in a hammock yeah. and the more, you know, driven Jason Capital being like, I'm going to fucking figure it out and, you know, yeah. shorten that window. I like that. Can I, can I actually share with you something about Elliot, about yeah. what you just said, which is amazing. All right. I know for a fact, because I was with him six, eight years ago or so, Elliot was one of the most disciplined, goal-oriented people I'd ever met. Like like three times a day, writing down his 10 goals. He had a watch that would go off, I think, every two hours, and then he'd do it like five minutes of incantation. I can see like, it, yep. I mean, it's totally extreme with the goal setting, right? And now, you know, people have this tendency to overreact in the short term, underreact in the long term. So it's like he went so hard one way and now he's swung the other totally. way. And that's life. This is, we pendulum. That's what we do, totally. right? Uh, and I also think that – and you made a really good point. You go, well, Elliot, you can do that now, right, because you built a business that automated and, and you're, you're good, right? And I think at different stages of life we need – there's like different treatment that we need for mm-hmm. what we do, right? Like when I was younger uh, and I was building up my, my state control, let's say, and my, that, that muscle, you know, I would have to do I – would, I would seriously challenge myself to do weird shit in public on a very consistent <laughs> basis – just to continue to, to give my brain recordings and reference experiences of you can be yourself and you can even go super – you can be super weird and say goofy, funny things or, or irreverent things in public and you're not going to die. Your brain needs to see totally. that over and over. As like it that. sees it more and more, it becomes uh, internalized. It becomes habituated and now you're, you can, now you're just free, right? Because uh, like with our dating clients in the past and frankly, even with all the people I work with now, when we teach them – sales, just how to have a, a strategy session in a sales call, man, there's a lot of like stiltedness. There's a lot of, at first, a lot of, uh, trying to, trying to be like Alec Baldwin or, or whatever movie mm-hmm. they saw. Like mm-hmm. they, I'm like, dude, you were super chill. And then I put a phone next to your brain and you transform right. into like this weird salesperson. And like it, to me, sales is all about authenticity, right? We don't, we want to buy from people. Obviously we know like and trust, but, uh, you know, you really want to feel like, this person is just no bullshit. This person, this is exactly who they are, right? That's who we connect with the most. So uh, I, I don't know where we're going with this, but I, I know we're talking about state control. And I'll just, I'll say this. If someone out there is listening right now, and let's say that you have a little bit of anxiety in public or public speaking or group group sales, or even just putting yourself out there on YouTube or in videos. And I know that's a sticking point for a lot of people is one thing that we used to do. I had a buddy in LA named Obi and me and Obi we would go in Santa Monica and we would set challenges for ourselves and we call them social freedom challenges mm. where it's like a checklist of who can do more weird, embarrassing shit in public on a, on a day. So we pick a Friday like today and uh, we would, we would walk down main street in Santa Monica. And one of them was the first one we did, we you know built up small. The first one was walk next to people on the sidewalk Get as close shoulder to shoulder as you can, but don't look at them and see right. how long you can until they like they're like this person's a stalker. Someone please I call the police, that. right? Yeah. So like that's the first one. The next one was find a girl who's like 
uh, just randomly like shopping or whatever, go up to her in front of everybody, get on one knee and propose to her. Don't say a word, just just do that, right? So we did that and we do all these things. And I, I once went into a, an Asian nail salon and I walk in and there's 20 women doing nails there and I'm the only guy there and I, I go, hello, and they're like, what the hell's going on? And I hit the floor and I bang out 30 push-ups. I stand up, <laughs> right. I take a bow, and I walk out. And the minute I walk out, I'm like, oh my God, that was the scariest thing I've right. ever done. Uh, but, That's you great. know, yeah, that, that kind of it, that kind of ability to just I'll just express myself and be exactly who I am. That to me is such a difference maker. And uh, it's funny you're talking about me and Elliot because I think that that's something we both really value and something we both really work on a lot. And we both took different paths. We, we have different methods of working mm-hmm. on it. Him with the bioenergetics and all the stuff he does, and me with with my you know goofy ways also. Love that. I think we're so terrified. I was just having this conversation with the CEO of Trainerize yesterday on the podcast so terrified of looking stupid and I think if you can somehow speed up that process of feeling stupid all the time I remember mine was putting videos out there I was horrible they were 20 minute videos trying to express a 30 second story or point (laughs) horrible but I remember putting them out there and after 30 videos and no one like came and shot me I think I no one even said they're stupid just no one said anything I was like I'm still alive I'm still here so when I have coaches who are terrified of getting on video I'm like do 30 videos start a YouTube channel put it out there and you'll notice in 30 days no one's probably going to say anything. No one really cares. Um, and you're still alive. You're still, your heart's still yeah. beating. So you yeah, probably took a little bit more of an extreme approach proposing to randos, but it's still the same idea. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because the next level after you stop caring so much then is you kind of have to do things on purpose that will polarize the marketplace at, right. at, the, at these higher levels, right? So Grant it's really important. Yeah, if, yeah, totally. Like if you're... If you're six figure range right now and you're that that's where you are, like getting really, really comfortable being yourself and just letting it ride, letting those chips fall where they may, really important. Once you want to get to seven and to eight at those levels, then it's about you're gonna need to build up those muscles at the yeah. six figure level because at seven yeah. and eight, you're gonna get so much more comments. You are gonna get a lot more hate simply because so many more people see you now. Right. And you need to be bulletproof for that. Uh, I know some people who are Ter- who who became millionaires and then were terrified of all the comments they were getting on social media oh, wow. or YouTube or whatever that it actually pushes them <laughs> back down because it was safer and you got to be consciously aware of it and and that's probably why I like Grant Cardone so much because that dude is one of the most polarizing motherfuckers ever. He does not care. Ever. I know it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I saw a video of him the other day. He put his his daughter in the freezer at the grocery store. <laughs> She's like he closed the door on her. Right. And he, Post this, and then the hashtag is like "good dad or bad dad?" Question mark. Right. That's funny. He just doesn't care, and the and he's not hurting her if anyone. Of course, of course, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah. She's laughing, but how many of us would would put a video of that on social media and and continue to be carefree? Totally. Love that. Dude, I could keep picking your brain for probably twenty four hours, but I'm not going to do that to you. But I do ask everybody this question, just to hopefully, even if one person can avoid some of the same mistakes that you made. I'm sure you've made many. I know I have. Um, one of your biggest failures and one of the biggest lessons that came out of that failure, something you could pass on to someone who's working their way up and you know maybe they'll get in this situation. I think you have to learn through failure. There's no way around it. But maybe some of the more painful experiences that you can avoid. Uh, what was probably one of the biggest mistakes, regrets, or things that you wish you would have known you'd tell 21-year-old Jason? Totally. Uh the, the one that really comes to mind right now is you have to continue to get better at your craft, 
right? Whatever, if you are in the service business, like coaching or consulting or copywriting or marketing, whatever your services that you offer, you cannot do the work based on your memories. You need to be doing it based on what happened last week. What I mean by that is you need to keep doing the thing that you are selling. When I started to build my basketball business, I had stopped playing basketball. So the first six months were easy because it was still fresh in my brain. But after that, I'm not training players anymore. I'm not in the gym every day anymore. I no longer remember what it's like to be in their shoes. I don't know the conversations they're having every day because I'm not in the gym. I'm not the same player or trainer that I once was. And my business tanked as a result. So when I got into my dating business, uh, I made a promise to myself, like, you will continue to get better in Kaizen this thing every single day. Um, and I think that was such a huge, huge part of, of our success there before I, you know, I do what I do now. So if anyone is listening right now, whatever service you offer, whatever thing you coach, like schedule one hour per day that you will not make any sacrifices on. You will not let anyone like schedule stuff in that time. That is your magic time where you are going to just study what, what's going on out there for your craft. You're going to study courses. You're going to go to seminars. You're going to just do exercises with yourself. You're going to do practice sessions with yourself on whatever that thing is. Keep getting better at that thing. Pursue mastery in that thing. My, my whole thing was if, I, if you want to make seven figures online, there's two core areas you have to really like dial in on. And it's one, you have to master the marketing and sales. Like You have to master those high-income skills. But you also have to master your craft. Like pursue mastery in the marketing and pursue mastery in the thing that you do. And if you keep bringing both those things up, then the money will just pour in. I keep Robert Greene's mastery book right here because it is one of the biggest shifts that I made. I remember reading that. I think I was in California. I think I was maybe even at an FBS or something way back when trying to build my fitness business, I think. Um, and I read that and I just, I read it in like two days and I was like, wow. And I keep rereading books of that nature because they're just like, I 100% agree. Um, what's next for Jason Capital? And for those hungry action takers who like want to connect with you or want to become better, where would they find you? Totally. So find me on, on Instagram at Jason Capital. That's where I'm most active by far, in my opinion. I'll put Facebook the link below. That zone. Yeah. Uh, so I, I run Instagram uh, all the time. That's awesome. where to find me. What's next for me is uh, there, there's two there's two courses um, that I'm very, very focused on. And they're, they're live courses. So I teach them live every Every single week and one is uh, an email copywriting course a certification that we do and the other one is called high income coach so it's really it's my whole mission like I said it really truly is right now I want to hit a million people and I want to help them increase their incomes to at least the six-figure level with with legitimate freedom in their life at the same time so that that's what I'm doing if, if anyone's interested in that then then you can ride with me at Jason Capital I'll put all the links below Jason thanks for your time love being with you man thanks appreciate it thank you All right, so as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.